Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You don't think that it's time that somebody cared enough to have a dream? Why are you getting so upset? This is not about you. Yes, it is. You are a human affront to all women, and I am a woman. At some point, you got to decide for yourself who you are. Can't let nobody make that decision for you. How do you go about getting an exorcism? Beg your pardon? Hi, this is Mark Kermode. Thanks for downloading this Kermode on Film podcast. This week, in honour of the opening of Judy, the new biopic about Judy Garland starring Renee Zellweger, I've decided to do not a top 10, but a top 20 of best performances in pop movie biopics. Now, obviously, this list is hugely subjective, but hey, it's my podcast. That's why it's called Kermode on Film. I'm sure you'll have your own ideas, and you can contact me on Twitter, at Kermode Movie, to let me know what I should have included, what you would have left out, and what your favourite pop biopic performances of all time are. But for now, here's my top 20 performances in pop biopics. got it in it's good when i'm up there singing genius actually at number 20 sam riley in control now no surprises about this inclusion as you'll probably know sam riley won a coveted kermode award for his portrayal of ian curtis in anton corbin's very sympathetic biopic i exist on the best terms i can the past is now part of my future the present is well out of hand His performance in the film, however, was made all the more impressive by the fact that Sean Harris had actually nailed the role of Ian Curtis a couple of years earlier in 24-Hour Party People. And also, let me take this occasion to point out that if this list was the top 21 rather than top 20, I would have included Steve Coogan as Tony Wilson in 24-Hour Party People. But it isn't. So I didn't. Ladies and gentlemen, let's hear it for the man of the century. Charlie Parker's in town. Jazz will never be the same. At number 19, Forrest Whitaker in Bird. Now, there is an argument to be had about whether or not Charlie Parker actually counts as a pop superstar, but I'm saying that any popular musician, and I mean any popular musician, or indeed somebody associated with the music industry, because not everyone in this list is actually a musician, counts. So at number 19, Forrest Whitaker in Bird. The film is a montage of scenes from Charlie Parker's life, brilliantly directed by Clint Eastwood, and Forrest Whitaker is surprisingly convincing in the lead role, partly because it's clear that his director absolutely loves the subject matter. Three months suspended sentence. Is it possible that you could put me in jail and then reinstate my cavalry car, sir? Now, this is very important. Clint Eastwood loves jazz. He's not so keen on pop, which is why he made such a horlicks of Jersey Boys. But when it comes to Bird, he's on home territory, and the film is carried shoulder high by Forrest Whitaker.
At number 18, an actual pop star playing an actual pop star. Roger Daltrey in Listomania. They should be playing the piano, not playing soldiers. As a budding composer, you make a bloody awful revolutionary. The people's revolution has fear of France. If I play your music whenever I can. Your politics don't interest me. Now, Listomania really was a thing, a genuinely hysterical reaction to the musical performances of List way, way back before the Beatles showed everybody that you can't hear anything playing when people are screaming at you. Roger Daltrey had starred in Ken Russell's Tommy, which came out the same year, and Russell thought he would be perfect to play Franz Liszt. The music for the film was by Rick Wakeman, and the set designs involved giant hydraulic genitalia. Roger Ebert said it was, quote, a berserk exercise of demented genius. And on that level, and I want to make my praise explicit, it functions and sometimes even works. Most people will probably despise it. Not me. Number 18. You just want me to say what you want me to say. Once upon a time, you dressed so fine. Threw the bumps of dime in your prime. Then you. Now, at number 17, something a bit different. Kate Blanchett in I'm Not There. Now, in case you haven't seen it, and many people haven't, because although it was a great critical success, it wasn't a huge hit. I'm Not There is a non-biopic of Bob Dylan directed by Todd Haynes, in which a series of actors play different facets of Dylan's life and works. So we have Christian Bale, Marcus Cole Franklin, Richard Gere, Heath Ledger, Ben Whishaw, and, most importantly, Kate Blanchett. Of all the people who play aspects of Bob Dylan, Blanchett is the one who comes closest to actually being Dylan. He has chaos, clocks, watermelons, you know, it's, it's everything. Reminding us that if a Bowie biopic ever gets made, it really needs to star Tilda Swinton. Incidentally, trivial fact, Christian Bale once co-starred in the non-Bowie, non-biopic Velvet Goldmine, in which Jonathan Rhys-Meyers wasn't David Bowie, while Ewan McGregor wasn't Iggy Pop. Runaways have the most chance of any group I've seen to tear this world apart. Now, number 16, another film that you may not have seen, again, wasn't a huge hit. Kristen Stewart in The Runaways. I think her Joan Jett is the standout in Flora Sigismundi's otherwise uneven rock biopic, which is a shouty account of the rise and fall of the original Riot Girls. Stewart is terrific as the post-Susie Quattro, pre-Chrissy Hind, proto-New Waver Joan Jett, with her hunched shoulders and sullen stare perfectly capturing the leather-clad rocker's blend of stroppy reticence and bolshy bluster. There's also a great performance by Michael Shannon as pop Svengali Kim Fowley. I'm Joan Jett. I want to start an older rock band. Once we met. We love your look. We are choosing you to be a part of rock and roll history. Now, the film is hardly groundbreaking fare. It has all the well-worn muso managerists that are as old as Espresso Bongo, and it's all filtered through the kind of historical prism of Beyond the Valley of the Dolls or, or even Rock Follies. Yet, despite its manifold generic shortcomings, it has a couple of great performances, not least Kristen Stewart. We still need another single to go along with Donna. How about La Bamba? It's not rock and roll. It is the way I play it. <laughs> At number 15, a slightly more popular hit, Lou Diamond Phillips 
in La Bamba, the 1987 biopic of Richie Valens, who died aged 17 in the same plane crash that killed Buddy Holly and the Big Bopper. 30 years later, in 2017, the film was selected for preservation in the United States National Film Registry by the Library of Congress as being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. Don't be such a dreamer, man. My dreams are pure rock and roll. Richie, I want you to meet Rudy. What's that? It's my aunt. Just like something somebody threw away. Now for me, the cultural, historical and aesthetic significance of that film comes down to Lou Diamond Phillips, who really is Richie Valens. One, two, three, four. No one tells me where, when, or how long I can be funky, says Chadwick Boseman at number 14 in Get On Up, a super heavy performance which provides the beating heart and soul of this James Brown biopic from The Help director, Tate Taylor. Despite acknowledging Brown's character flaws, this plays him as a world rather than a wife beater, preferring to sing his praises in roof-raising, foot-stomping fashion. <laughs> It's hardly warts and all fair, but it does have a mesmerising central performance by Bozeman, who will go on to dominate the screen in Black Panther. Now, a particular favourite at number 13, Con O'Neill in Telstar. For me, Telstar ranks alongside Slade in Flame in that pantheon of great pop movies that could only have been made in Britain. It chronicles the rise and fall of producer Joe Meek, and it's adapted from James Hicks and Nick Moran's acclaimed play, which also starred Con O'Neill as the man who hears a new world, which drives him to the edge of madness. You think we're all talking about him behind his back? I can hear you talking, Darren. I don't want to. Sorry, Sorry Darren. Don't. There's none of the glam that you get in US pop movies. Here we see Meek working his strange magic in a North London flat above a leather goods store where he tormented his young pop protégés who he loved and loathed in equal measure. The film proved a very hard sell in America where audiences seem to like their bubblegum softer and sweeter. But here in the UK, some critics, well, me, really embraced it. Listen, John, this group can't carry you. You know that, don't you? All he does is stand there. It's the way he stands. If you kick Stu out of this band, I'll go with him. On to number 12, and at number 12, Ian Hart in Backbeat. Long before Aaron Taylor-Johnson became a star playing him in Nowhere Boy, the Lennon on-screen crown had been grabbed by Ian Hart, not once, but twice. First, in the 1991 The Hours and Times, he played Lennon going to Barcelona with Brian Epstein in 1963. You're the angriest person I have ever met. I'm not angry, sister. I'm desperate. Then in 94, Ian Hart reprised the role of Lennon in Hamburg-era Beatles in Backbeat. It's a brilliant performance, both of them. I would know the first thing about how to save even myself with a song, much less the world. You're the best songwriter in this joke of a business. I think we should try to make it, uh, make it big. Now, just outside the top ten at number 11, Ileana Douglas in Grace of My Heart. Now, I know what you're going to say. Grace of My Heart is not a pop biopic. It is a fictional feature. Yes, it's absolutely true. The character that Ileana Douglas plays, Denise Waverley, a.k.a. Edna Buxton, is not a real character. But she's very, very closely based on Carol King. I talked to Redbird today. They'll sign you for one single. I don't have a song to sing. So write something. Isn't that what I pay you for? So God give me strength. 
The film itself is about the Brill Building, with Matt Damon playing a character who isn't Brian or Dennis Wilson, and John Turturro playing a character who isn't Phil Spector, despite the hair and glasses. Similarly, Ileana Douglas plays a character who isn't Carol King, but let's be honest, she is. Now, she doesn't do her own vocals, but somehow it comes together. Largely because the film itself is a brilliant collage, and at the centre of it, you need a character that you absolutely empathise with and understand. And although she's not singing, she speaks in a way that speaks to me. I love Ileana Douglas's performance in Grace of My Heart, and I love that film. It's at number 11. No. Into the top 10 now in my rundown of best performances in pop movie biopics and at number 10, Marion Cotillard in La Vie en Rose. Olivia de Haan, the writer-director, said he was aiming for a tragic romantic blockbuster with French subject matter and international appeal. Well, his film has flaws, not least some howling ellipses, most notably the Second World War, which doesn't appear to happen and features only fleetingly in one of the outtake scenes on the DVD. But Cotillard comes out of her corner with her feet and fists flying, clearly determined to take the centre stage by storm and snag a few statuettes en route. She went on to win a Best Actress Oscar, becoming the first French actress to win that award whilst speaking in French. Sacré bleu! A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust proof stainless steel hardware, weather ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I may not always love you But long as there are stars above you Now, another film which you may not have seen because it opened and closed in the UK and appears to have sunk without a trace, which is a real shame because at number nine, I have Paul Dano in Love and Mercy. Now, in Love and Mercy, two actors play musical genius Brian Wilson. In his older years, he's played by John Cusack, who looks and sounds nothing like Brian Wilson. But in his Beach Boys days, he's played by Paul Dano. And watching him, I found myself struggling to detect the moment when the actor's voice segues into that of the real-life Brian Wilson. So dazzled was I by the construction of the stunningly authentic-looking faux archive footage. Do you hear the new Beatles? We can't let them get ahead of us. Got all kinds of new ideas, new sounds, new instruments. You think we could get a horse in here? I'm digging up the 
Now, where Love and Mercy really flies is in the restaging of the writing and recording sessions using real musicians, which pays dividends in the kind of verite evocation of Wilson's creative process. Many of the riffs are familiar, the piano in the sandbox, the fire hats of the studios, but there's a startling freshness to the sequence which captures the birth of good vibrations, described as Wilson's pocket symphony to God. And throughout the film, Dano is Brian Wilson. And I mean, he is Brian Wilson to the point that you think, wow, how did they manage to make Brian Wilson look so young to play Brian Wilson? On to number eight, and something of a safe choice, but hey, as I said, it's my podcast, Reese Witherspoon in Walk the Line. Now, Walk the Line is technically a film about Johnny Cash, brilliantly played by Joaquin Phoenix, who sings all his own vocals, but it was Reese Witherspoon who won the Oscar as June Carter, later June Carter Cash. Again, doing all her own vocals, and even managing to pull off lines like, you can't walk no line, without the entire audience cringing. Where's my friend John? Did he get high? Or is he incognito? Is he gone? Because I don't like this guy, Cash. I ain't incognito. I'm right here. You see? Her and Phoenix on stage doing Jackson is an absolute highlight. For me, Reese Witherspoon is the real star of Walk the Line at number eight. I know it's not much, but it's the best I can do. My gift is my song, and this one's for you. On to number seven, and one of my favourite films of the year with one of my favourite performances of the year, Tyrant Edgerton as Rocket Man. A riotous fact meets fiction swirl that combines the brick grit of That'll Be The Day with the colourful ambition of absolute beginners and some of those surreal excesses of listomania, albeit without the hydraulic penises. Don't you want to just sing without this ridiculous paraphernalia? People don't pay to see Reged White. They pay to see Elton John. Now, I'd seen Edgerton before in the Kingsman movies, but nothing had prepared me for how great he would be here, how he could uncannily capture that blend of bare-chested bravado and rabbit-in-the-headlights terror that made Elton John one of glam rock's most intriguingly vulnerable figures. And also, a little note here. I made a rule for myself. I could either have Taron Edgerton in Rocket Man or Rami Malek in Bohemian Rhapsody. Why? Well, because in my head, Bohemian Rhapsody and Rocket Man were a kind of either-or deal. So, much as I love Rami Malek, he's not in my top 20. Why not? Because Tyron Edgerton is. I know the rules make no sense, but them's the rules. Just outside the top five now, and at number six, Angela Bassett in What's Love Got To Do With It? Lawrence Fishburne and Angela Bassett were both Oscar-nominated as Ike and Tina Turner in this hard-knocks account of domestic abuse within a dysfunctional marriage. It's a tough film, adapted from the book I, Tina. You know you want the studio. And I'd have it by now. You would sing the songs the way I tell you to sing them, Anna Maker. That's what I've, I've been trying to do, right? I mean, but they all sound like the same, you know? What? I ain't here. What you say? Hmm? I ain't here. Halle Berry, Robin Givens, Pam Greer, Janet Jackson and Vanessa L. Williams were all apparently considered for the central role of Tina Turner. Whitney Houston was actually offered the role but declined due to imminent maternity, leaving it to Angela Bassett to take it over. And frankly, having seen her play Tina Turner, I can't imagine anybody else doing it. My only quibble, 
Do we actually need Tina Turner at the end? I could have stuck with Angela Bassett. Y'all like Nat King Cole? Into the top five, and at number five, Jamie Foxx in Ray. Foxx won an Oscar for playing Ray Charles, but he does so much more than merely mimic the mannerisms of this instantly recognisable pop icon. Yes, he has the bodily twitches, the trademark grin, and that unmistakable rolling gait. But at the heart of Foxx's performance is his ability to inhabit a character who is both admirable and exasperating in pretty much equal measure. I hear like you see, like that hummingbird outside the window, for instance. I can't hear her. You hear that? Her heart just gives a beat. <laughs> Whether he's triumphing over adversity or wallowing in self-absorbed artistic indulgence, his treatment of his friends, lovers and business partners is frequently utterly lousy. Fox's Ray comes across as a fully rounded character, neither simplified nor sanctified. The fact that Fox can actually play the piano clearly pays dividends, and it's a credit to the actor that we can't see the join between his on-set noodlings and Charles's own studio recordings. Now, at number four, a very personal choice, but hey, I am a huge Bette Midler fan. So at number four, Bette Midler in The Rose, a 1970 drama directed by Mark Rydell and loosely based on the life of Janis Joplin. Now, as with Grace of My Heart, I know it's not strictly a biopic. However, the film began life as a project called The Pearl, which was Joplin's nickname, and the title was changed because they couldn't secure the rights to her life story from her family. Where are you going? Just you're one of the best singer ladies in the history of the world, pure and simple. Far beneath, I need something new. Midler, in her first major big screen outing, got an Oscar nomination, and deservedly so. Ken Russell and Michael Cimino were both considered to direct, but in the end the project went to Mark Rydell, who went on to make For the Boys with Bette Midler, another one of my all-time pop movie favourites. Into the top three now, and it's a bit of a case of brilliant performance, shame about the movie, Diana Ross in Lady Sings the Blues, Sidney J. Fury's 1972 film about Billie Holiday, loosely adapted from her 1956 autobiography. Tonight you get your chance. <laughs> ah, 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 yo, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. What'd you say your name was? Eleanor. Ella. Uh, Ella who? Uh, uh, Billie. Uh, Billie Holiday. Billie Holiday, that's my name. Writing in the New York Times, Vincent Camby described Ross as, quote, an actress of exceptional beauty and wit who is very much involved in trying to make a bad movie work. Her only apparent limitations are those imposed upon her by a screenplay and direction seemingly designed to turn a legitimate legend into a whopper of a cliché. Yep, it's not a great film, but it is a great performance. So into the top two now, and at number two, something many of you may have thought would have been my number one, Gary Boosie 
in the Buddy Holly story. Now, if you've ever listened to any of these podcasts before, you will know that I am a huge fan of the Buddy Holly story, which earned Gary Boosie an Oscar nomination, not least because he played and sung live. I have a sound in my head. So far, it's not like anything we've done here. You said, let's get down here and make some records fast. Well, I'm here, and this is what we've done. Now, what do you call it? Probably a mistake, buddy. Every day, it's getting closer, going faster than the coaster. Boosie lost a huge amount of weight to play the gangly, scrawny Buddy Holly. In fact, he had nearly ended up playing cricket's drummer Jerry Allison in an ill-fated project Three-Sided Coins some years before. I remember seeing the Buddy Holly story at the Barnet Odeon when it first opened and being absolutely knocked out by Gary Boosie's performance, so much so that when I went back home to listen to the original Buddy Holly records, I thought, they're great, but in some ways Gary Boosie is actually better. Now, I know that's absolute heresy because I love Buddy Holly and I immediately regret saying that, but I love his performance in that film and when they're playing the roller derby, it's one of the best things I've ever seen. Rocking Around with Olive V is a great song. Gary Boosie did it best. Which brings us to the number one spot in my top 20 favourite performances in a pop biopic. And it is, of course, Sissy Spacek in Coal Miner's Daughter, one of the definitive music biopics. Spacek is on fire as Loretta Lynn, who grew up in poverty, was married at the age of 13, and went on to become one of the biggest musical stars of all time. I just need a little more time. You need a little more time to learn how to love your man the way you're supposed to. Do, are you leaving? Spacek, of course, does all her own singing in the film, and the soundtrack album reached the top 40 in the US and sold over half a million copies. Spacek won Best Actress, and deservedly so. It is an absolutely astonishing performance. And here's the key for me. If you go and see Judy in the cinema, and I'd advise you to, it's a perfectly entertaining film. Whilst you're watching Renee Zellweger playing Judy Garland, you think, I'm watching Renee Zellweger playing Judy Garland. But when you're watching Cole Miner's Daughter, you think you're watching Loretta Lynn. And that is because of Sissy Spacek. So there we are, my very personal top 20 favourite performances in pop movie biopics. Just to run them down again, at 20, Sam Riley in Control. At 19, Forrest Whitaker in Bird. At 18, Roger Daltrey in Listomania. 17, Kate Blanchett in I'm Not There. 16, Kristen Stewart in The Runaways. 15, Lou Diamond Phillips in The Bamba. 14, Chadwick Boseman, Get On Up. At 13, Con O'Neill in Telstar. At 12, Ian Hart in Backbeat. And at 11, Ileana Douglas in Grace of My Heart. Into the top 10, at 10, Marianne Cotillard. La Vie en Rose. At nine, Paul Dano in Love and Mercy. Eight, Reese Witherspoon, Walk the Line. At seven, Taron Egerton in Rocket Man. At six, Angela Bassett in What's Love Got to Do With It. Into the top five, at five, Jamie Foxx in Ray. At four, Bette Midler in The Rose. Three, Diana Ross in Lady Sings the Blues. Two, Gary Boosie in The Buddy Holly Story. And at number one, Sissy Spacek in Coal Miner's Daughter. Now, as I said at the beginning, it's a very personal list. I'm sure I've left out some of your favourites, and I'm sure I've included some films, <coughs> Listomania, that you wouldn't personally have included. Let me know what you would have put in and what I should have left out. You can contact me on Twitter, at Movie. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed it, remember to subscribe and keep watching the skies. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. 